For a scripture reading this morning, we're going to turn to Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11, and that should be about on page 1076 in your pew Bibles. We're going to read from Isaiah 11, and we'll read the first 10 verses. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From, this, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They, the, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. We're also going to read from the New Testament, and we're going to turn to Matthew 3. In the New Testament, from Matthew 3, and we're going to read the first 12 verses. Matthew 3 should be on page 1499 in your pew Bibles. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff, chaff with unquenchable fire. The very words of the Lord.
Great. Thank you, Anne. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we gather around the word of the Lord this morning, and, and there are many, many connections between the two passages that we've read, and God's word continues to work out its truth in, in, in many ways. The connection that we are looking at this morning in relation to, to the tree and the, the roots of the tree are mentioned by John in, in John chapter 3 and that the tree that bears no fruit will be cut down. And then our text from Isaiah, where Isaiah speaks of a stump, a stump that will, a shoot will rise from the stump of Jesse. So also the the image of a tree. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we we are gathered this Christmas season, and, and we are, are celebrating what God has done. And to understand that, the Word of God continues to, to just open that for us between the Word and the sacrament that we see more and more clearly what God has done and how we become part of that, how He welcomes us into His great saving work. And so this morning, we have... Two readings from the Old and New Testament uh, pictured there that the whole Bible, both Old and New Testament, are proclaiming this great work of God. And so together we we hold God's word clearly uh, before us as it speaks into our lives. And this morning too, that you would let it speak into your life again. Today and in this Christmas season is our prayer. The readings this morning are about uh, a tree. We're going to focus in on the tree. And I want you to remember that in relation to, we have a tree. And people wonder, why do we have a tree? And we have a tree because the Bible does talk about Christmas in terms of a tree. And so as we see the tree, think about the tree, you have trees in your home, you, you think about what God has done, what he is doing. And so that's... That's what we're looking at this morning. That example of Christmas, which we find both in the Old and New Testament. The picture is when a tree gets cut down. When a beautiful tree gets cut down. Now, this tree is an artificial tree. We have a tree in our front yard. It's a Schubert choke cherry. It's a beautiful tree. It started, uh, when we got there, it was probably, yeah, 10 feet. Now it's probably 20 feet high. It's, it's one of those trees that starts in the spring early with green leaves, and, and then they turn purple. And so you have that lovely purple choke cherry, and then it has the berries on it, and, and just a lovely tree. In the winter, last winter, with those berries after the leaves were off, I really love it because uh, the birds come in. And they love those berries. And we even had a big pileated woodpecker on that tree in the middle of town in our front yard. It was great. And just a couple days ago this winter, there were three flickers were eating the berries on that tree. I love that tree. That's a beautiful tree. A couple years ago, I noticed, with all the notices in Lacombe, black knot, a disease, attacks cherry trees. This is a choke cherry. So I checked, and it was there. And so I pruned away, and the next year there was more. 
I pruned again. And this spring, there was more again. I pruned it again. Then I asked Alan, have you seen Alan? He rides his tractor, his lawn tractor through town. He's the garden guy, right? He does yards and lawns, and he was coming by, and I stopped him. I said, Alan, what's up with this tree? He looked at it, and he said, it's got to be cut down. I was sad. Beautiful tree. The bird's coming in. Got to cut it down. I said, man, that is too bad. That's, that's, that's sad. But then he said, he said, a shoot will come up. So I didn't know that. A shoot will come up from that dead stump. And you'll have a nice, yeah, bush, tree. He wasn't absolutely sure. Anyway, more of a bush, right? Anyway, <laughs> it'll be alive again. We'll have the tree again. Said, wow, beautiful. That'll be good. Out of, out of a sadness, kind of a, a loss, a, a, something couldn't be saved, it, it dies, but then life comes. The people of old knew about these things, trees and stumps and shoots, They knew that for uh, something like a dead tree stump, life could come. Certain species, spruce tree won't do it. Certain ones will. And that joy Isaiah takes and equates to Christmas, to the hope of the Savior coming. And and he, he is speaking about life and joy instead of death and sadness. So that's what we are looking at this morning out of Isaiah's prophecy, and then along with that, John the Baptist in the New Testament, Matthew 3, speaks to people, and and as he looks at them, he invites them out into the desert, and and he he has them recognize that their life is, is dead. Their faith is dead. They are fruitless trees that will be cut down, and that's a very sad thing. But John comes in the deadness, out in the desert, and he says there's life. There is life that can come forward, that is springing up. And the talk in Matthew 3 is the kingdom of God. The king is coming. The great joy that's Christmas. Jesus is the newborn king. And so he declares that joy, the life in Jesus for those who are dead in sin. So those, those two passages bring that before us. Our theme this Christmas, this Advent season, is coming home for Christmas, coming home to God's house, coming home uh, so that we see what God is doing. And so that we become part of it. More and more, the joy and the life that only Jesus can give. To have that, we need to first of all see the big picture. We need to understand what's going on. That, that is what Isaiah is getting at when he talks about this stump example. When, when it says in Isaiah 11 verse 1, uh, the stump of Jesse... As soon as he says that, the people know something. 
They, they know the Bible. The people Isaiah was talking to knew the Bible. And so when he talks about the stump of Jesse, then, then they, they recognize right away what God has done. And they recognize that this world fell into sin. The Bible tells us that sin and death entered the world through Adam. But God came and he planted a seed. That's the image Isaiah is taking hold of. He planted a seed of faith in Abraham. And Abraham, it says, believed. God said to him, you will become a great nation and I will give you a land and everything. And Abraham had nothing and he had no son and nothing. But he believed. And that seed took hold. And God used him, through him, established faith and then established a people. He took that seed and he brought it into Egypt. Now, Egypt at that time, most fertile, most prosperous, most powerful uh, nation. And in Egypt, where there was always denial and always food, and that, that nation grew for 430 years. So that little seed became a, a nice seedling, a nation, a, a tree, four or five feet high. It was Strong. And then God took that and, and out of the book of Exodus we read and through the two book of Joshua, he planted that tree in the promised land. And that tree became a great cedar of Lebanon, a huge tree, a mighty tree. The Bible talks about it as a, a tree where birds of the, of the air nest in its branches. So the picture is, of, of God's nation, God's people, uh, ministering to all the nations of the world as a great and powerful presence, life force in the world, a force of faith. And this is the point where Isaiah 11 verse 1 picks up the story with the stump of Jesse. Jesse's family was the one from which God chose a king for that people. And you can read the story of King David in 1 Samuel 16 and following and how God used him and blessed him and established that people and, and made them a, a name in the world. And then Solomon, David's son, built a temple and, and, and the queen of Sheba came from far because she had heard the wonder of God, the, the joy of living with him, and his presence among the people. And all of this was, was working itself out if you used a tree image too. It was great, powerful, amazing work of God. Life and joy. Living with God present, serving Him, being under His gracious care. This is life and joy. This is the great tree. This is the beautiful, strong tree showing the whole world the power of God and the blessing of living for him. Now, sadly, the Bible tells us the tree as well is diseased by sin. And already in the story of David's life, there is evidence of sin. That's also in the life of Solomon. Though God is gracious, that is present. But then, if you continue to read the story of, of God's work with that people, that tree is diseased, and God prunes away bad kings and raises up good kings. But in the end, like Alan coming to me and saying, it's got to be cut down. 
God cuts down that tree. And so in the year 586, we know when he cut it down. He cut it down in 586 B.C. because then the Babylonians came and they took the people into exile and they destroyed the temple. There was no more worship of God. There was no more witness to his presence and power. And there was just a stump. There was a foundation. Even now, if you go to Israel, Jerusalem, you can see the foundation of the temple. There was no temple. There's mosques on it now. But it was a stump. Everything was gone. Just, just a little bit of memory, just a little bit of a place on a map that used to be Israel, some historical books. No joy, just sadness, just a dead stump. But God is never stumped. God is never at a loss. God is never finished. So even in sin, even though the people are disobedient, the truth of the Bible is that God brings life even when there's only hopelessness, sadness, and death. Even out of this dead stump. And so out of this dead stump, Jesus the Savior is coming. It's always promised. And then as Isaiah declares it, God is going to send a Savior. Isaiah 2, 11 verses 2 and 3. Just an, an amazing, an amazing Savior. Uh, a spirit-led, a God-centered, uh, totally just and true and right Savior. Beautiful picture the hope that we have, the joy that God is coming in power to save, restore what sin and death has destroyed. And so we see that again in the Lord's Supper too, the, the call of the Savior coming, the, the assurance that he came into this world giving his life so that we might live. Jesus, our Lord and King. When all the other kings failed, Jesus is King. And the thought, the understanding to make him Lord, to make him king of our lives, that's the joy that he brings. He is the newborn king that we celebrate, pictured in Isaiah 11. That's, that's the big picture. That's the truth of the Bible. That's what we need to see in order to have joy and to understand where life comes from. How do we really become part of this great work of God? How can you and I invite others too to come home for Christmas? How does that work? How can we be with God, with Jesus, be part of all that he's done and even what he continues to do right now? And that's what John the Baptist tells us in Matthew 3. That's why we go there. He is going to people who, who are dead in their sin. They come from Jerusalem, from Judea, from the whole area, it says, because they recognize the deadness in themselves. They've been trying to do things this way and that way, but they haven't really put their faith in God. They haven't really trusted in his saving power. And they come to John recognizing that deadness, and that is where they are confronted with the question to look at their lives. 
They think everything's okay, but it's not okay. They just need to pause and reflect, okay, what is exactly your purpose, your place? How is your life of significance? There is all kinds of of emptiness and deadness in our lives without faith in Jesus. And again today, Jesus asked us, all of us, to look again and see too what we are living for, what our goal and purposes are. John declares there's a king. He's establishing a kingdom, and he's inviting people to be part of that wonderful work of changing from death to life. He's calling us to repent again, to repent of the things that hinder us from living for Jesus, to admit that uh, if we get caught up in trying to live for ourselves, we are not getting anywhere. We are only losing more and more. So he lifts up the name of Jesus, the Lord, the King, whom God has sent to be our Savior. And so Matthew 3, verse 5 and 6, people went out to him from Jerusalem and Judea. Why? Because they recognized how empty their life was. And they wanted to take hold of what God is doing. So they confessed their sins. They were baptized. And they came up renewed. That's joy. That's life. That's coming home for Christmas. That happens. That happened then and it happens now. That actual transforming power of God by the Spirit. If you would allow that to take hold in your life, you would would just be refreshed and renewed again. I heard an example just this week. We meet as pastors. Every uh, month we meet on a Thursday morning. And our chaplain, we have a chaplain, Dale Fallon. He works at Red Deer, and he works in uh, our our hospital here one day a week. He, uh, as a chaplain, a pastor, he does a a lot of work uh, in Red Deer in the palliative care center, the palliative care unit in Red Deer. That's where people who are terminally ill, who are dying, are cared for until the end. And so he finds himself there quite often because at those points, people look at their life. Nothing focuses us more clearly than the reality that our life is coming to an end. And so he has opportunity to speak into people's lives there in a way that that normally doesn't happen. And he had opportunity, he met a man there, a man who's terminally ill. The man knows he is dying. Man has no faith, no knowledge of God. And Dale sat down with him, spoke to him, asked him, reflecting on his life and where he was, and he admitted, he said, nothing. My life was was not good and my hope was there's nothing. Empty. And so Dale simply took the truth of God's word like Isaiah had in mind and explained to him, God created us, our sinfulness, the the work of God in, in offering a savior, Christ coming. And this man, this man heard it all like like it was for the first time. And, and like those people going to John the Baptist, he said, 
I, I'm a sinner. I, I need God's forgiving grace. And, and he received the grace of God. And in, in his room there in the palliative care unit, which is, is only death, there was life. There was life and joy. The man was, the man was, was renewed. And Dale said, too, you don't see it all the time. You don't see it in every case. But he said, too, that, that power of God was at work. And then the, the most significant thing, the, the man was, was uh, Dale shared, too, the man was just, just uh, reflecting on God's word and, and, and having, having just, just uh, wonderful peace and joy. And, and then, and then uh, through conversation, Dale said to him, too, you... You, even in the day, every day, you, you let God's word lead you and, and you seek to, to live for the Lord Jesus, even the days that you have. And so they talked about that. And, and one of the things that the man was very upset about, was, was suddenly very concerned about, was that the woman that he'd been living with for nine years, uh, they were faithful in things, but they'd never married. And he all of a sudden understood that that's not right before the Lord. And so he said to Dale, do you do weddings? Well, Dale's a pastor. He'd done weddings for years. He said, yeah, I do weddings. Can you do a wedding here? In the palliative care unit of the hospital. Well, there's never weddings in the palliative care unit of the hospital. It never happens. It's only funerals. Could you do my funeral here? Oh, yeah. Could you do my wedding here? So what is this guy talking about? He is going to be dead in a couple of weeks. Doesn't matter. Life and joy to do what the Lord wants. To commit himself in a way before the Lord. To confess he did it wrong. He wants to do it right. And to be a witness. Without a whole unit. Oh, they're having a wedding in the palliative care unit before Christmas. And what is that? Where does that come from? That's yeah, just bizarre, right? No, it's not bizarre. It's someone who recognizes that they have been lost, but they have been found. And by God's grace, there's life, and there's joy, and there's thankfulness. And that's what we declare at Christmas time. That excitement, that assurance, the joy of our salvation. It is something we have, that there is a better way, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And we are invited again today to keep and make that our center, to welcome Jesus as the king of our life to seek to live out our choices, our decisions in his will every day. And we will see the joy of his working in and through us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for bringing joy into this dead and dying world. And we pray that you would give us the true joy of the faith that we have Lord, sometimes it gets dry, it gets stale, it gets a little dead. Lord, we pray that you would enliven us, all of us, in the truth that we shared around this table, that you are the living Lord 
and that you have saved us from our sin and that it is our calling, our joy, our thankfulness to live with you and for you. We pray, too, that you would use us. What a privilege we have to share with others the joy that you have given us. And may we share with those around us, especially those who don't know you, just the joy that we have and that you would want to also welcome them into the assurance of faith and life with you now and eternally. May our joy in all circumstances be a constant witness that in this world of sin and death, We have life in your name. Amen.